This is a Whole Observatory podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Star Stuff. This is Cody Half Moon, and today we have Wesley. Does everyone remember Wesley, who wants to blow up the moon? We've had fun uh, talking about you in all of our episodes. Great. Good. <laughs> Love that for you. <laughs> and we have Haley and uh, John Compton again, our geology source. Hello, pals. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on the, the cast again. And today we're going to be doing a, um, a movie review. So it's a little bit different, and we decided to pick just – the most, like the highest caliber. We didn't want to do any low-hanging fruit, so of course we went with Armageddon. Uh, <laughs> Possibly the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah, honestly. In retrospect, and watching it again. Yeah, it's definitely like the lowest hanging fruit we could have gone for. It didn't quite hold up uh, like I thought it did. It's a romp, maybe. I don't know. Initial thoughts. Uh, Bruce Willis has hair in this movie. Bruce Willis has a, 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 a shocking amount of hair, frankly. True. Ben Affleck is actually a child in this movie. He's a little, he's little this young. Big. He's this He's one inch tall. It's, yeah. it's really funny. He is a minor. And yeah. we've got like a great cast. Um, I mean, it does have that going for it. It's like a Whether ridiculously in- good cast. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of absurd. It's got um, Bruce Willis, Steve Buscemi, Bad Santa, Billy Bob Thornton is here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Billy yeah. Bob Thornton's in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Keith David, Owen Wilson. What the heck? So- yeah. yeah, yeah, Owen Wilson's in it. <laughs> wow. It- wow. 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 <laughs> We've- There's so much that we could talk about in talking about Armageddon so much that we all probably want to talk about. And none of it has to do even with the science. It's a sappy at times, ridiculous, explosive Michael Bay film from the nineties. So, you know, you can extrapolate if you haven't seen it. Um, I think all of us here have seen it except for Haley. This is your first time watching it through, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I I hated it. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> it's, it's the kind of movie you can't you can't like watch for the first time as an adult and like like you exactly. have to see it when you're like seven and be like oh explosions, dude. <laughs> yeah, like as an adult with a degree in physics, this was like the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it was so bad. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah, let's just dive into it. Um, if you haven't seen Armageddon, I'm just going to kind of run through. I hesitate to say the highlights. Uh, the the lowlights. The lowlights <laughs> of this movie. Basically, um, scientists find this huge asteroid is headed toward Earth. It's the size of Texas, and it's going to hit the Earth in 18 days, creating an extinction-level event. The government has a great plan to fly people to the asteroid, drill into it, and explode it with nukes uh, by way of two space shuttles <laughs> called Independence and Freedom. America. Go America. America. <laughs> and to dive deeper into just how American this movie really is, NASA 
decides to hire a successful oil rig guy. And he has his team of roughnecks that he demands go with him on this journey. Into well, they, space. Don't, they don't hire him first, right? They like steal, they like dark web steal his plans somehow and build his yeah. drill. And then he gets there and he's like, you yes. built my drill wrong. Yes. <laughs> Do you even know what this is? This yeah. is a jigamawet. And yeah. you've got this, that like these NASA cool. engineers looking like mer, like confused dogs. <laughs> um, That's my favorite. That's my and, favorite. You're some of the smartest <laughs> engineers in the world. They don't yes. know how your drill works. Right. Not, not <laughs> they can't, they can't piece together from your patent how the drill works. (laughs) Yeah. But their plan is to take these shuttles and slingshot them around the moon using the moon's gravity to successfully land on the asteroid with as little debris implosion explosions as possible, which it's a Michael Bay. So, there are there are work. lots of explosions. There, in fact, has been there, there. are in fact so many more explosions than there could ever feasibly be anywhere in space. Oh yeah. <laughs> then they get they get to the space station first to fuel up. That goes wrong, and then the space station explodes, and then they slingshot around the moon, and then more stuff goes wrong. Uh, they start drilling. At some point, Buscemi is riding the nuke like a bull and shoots guns at the asteroid. Uh, which I feel like is very worthy to note. Um, they maneuver this armadillo <laughs> drill, uh, which it flies in space with thrusters. It drills, obviously, and it comes equipped with a full rotary machine gun for reasons. <laughs> um, for, for the space aliens, Cody. Yes, you have, to, you have to have it for the space aliens, yeah. And with three seconds to spare, Bruce Willis, alone on the asteroid after the others leave, detonate the nuke. Uh, the asteroid splits into two, even halves, narrowly missing the Earth by 200 miles. The whole room claps, and it ends in a freeze frame. No joke. So, let's just get into it. But let's, you know, let's talk about the science. I want to talk about this asteroid. We've got John Compton, Mr. Geologist Resource. Is it possible that an asteroid like this could exist in some theoretical part of space? Yeah, it could. It could definitely exist. Um, we would catch it a lot earlier than 18 days. Oh, okay. Um, we, we, we monitored the skies quite, you know, readily. And, um, you know, we're always watching, especially, I mean, even in 1998, but even now, but now, you know, we have automated systems that do it even up at Lowell. Mm-hmm. Oh, so if we saw something the size of Texas hurling towards earth, we would, we would know in plenty of time. We would know in plenty of time. There's plenty of agencies, space agencies out there that are tracking these things, and then plenty of amateurs with access to high-end stuff that would love to find it and name it after them. Um, yeah, they said something about how their defense program for space was – their budget was cut, so they didn't have enough money to track it sooner. I do remember them mentioning that specifically, but you'd think um, other people around the world would have seen this. Um it would not have been a secret and it would have been found out a lot earlier. Yeah. And it's the size of Texas and it's made of iron. We talk about that a bit. Well, the one, so here's where it gets tricky, right? They're showing a weird composition for this thing. So when you look at it, it looks iron, right? It looks like an iron type or at least a heavy metal type, but they talk about it as if it's rock, rocky, um, and then they talk about there being an iron, like, layer on it. Right, the iron ferrite. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which, um, is a, which is a thing. Which is a thing that exists. An iron ferret? 
Iron ferret. Iron ferret. Okay, what's that? Um, iron, right? It's iron. a rock okay. made of iron. Um, but yeah, y- y- if you had a rocky type, you know, asteroid or something, um, it would not be that cohesive, right? They tend to be just rubble piles that kind of are gravitationally bound, but they're loose. It's loose material. So you couldn't blow that up um, because it would just sort of like scatter it, but it would still rain sprinkles down on Earth. Um, And then, you know, the big iron types, you wouldn't be able to explode it because it's a giant chunk of iron. I think with the best nuclear weapons we could have, we wouldn't we wouldn't crack it. They also tend to not have fault lines, right? Like, so they're right. saying, um, "Oh, we're going to crack it on a fault line. That's why we don't have to go so far down." Well, that's that's for a rocky type. You wouldn't, and even a rocky type, you wouldn't actually have fault lines. No, you'd in need an you'd need entire tectonic plates to have a fault line. That like that's what yeah. a fault line is. And you like you're not going to have a tectonic plate on on something that is not planet sized. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. ridiculous. We also, do. very specifically, like like an Earth-like planet, like you need conditions to be very specific to actually have like fault lines. Well, you do have sort of um, mass motion, which could create some fault lines with large rocky type ones. Mm-hmm. That well, smaller rocky type ones, I guess. Um, they have to be a little bit cohesive, and then you can have chunks falling off. And I think that that's what they were going for huh. was the idea of like, okay, this was a peanut shaped body and it kind of collapsed and maybe some stuff broke off and they're kind of going to kind of split it where it where it reformed but that's that's me giving them as much uh, as possible <laughs> as i possibly can using the full 100 of my brain yeah. yeah the thing that bothered me about the asteroid is why is it encased in a nebula like why are there gases surrounding this yeah, asteroid it like looks like a comet it's so weird mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't even look like a comet it's literally like like, like surrounding the whole thing but it has like a yeah. like a coma and everything in the yeah but it straight up like looks like it has an atmosphere yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. we do get plenty of outgassing of volatiles from, outgassing from the, of volatiles yeah so like you know um there's plenty of water and uh carbon dioxide and a bunch of other things trapped and when you heat it up as it gets closer to the sun um a lot of those things will outgas even, oh, cool. even an asteroid yeah there's like a there's like a whole tail of on it mm-hmm. in the in the in the cgi that they have yeah like yeah. what's so like usually like you think of a comet and you think of the tail and it's just being kind of um outgassed away from the sun just by heat and then it's just blowing it off but like this one had a tail following it like it was traveling in an atmosphere yeah which was weird yeah um, I don't see that happening. It tend, you know, like things in motion tend to stay in motion, right? So if you outgassed out there, it would just have a bubble around it, basically, that just kept going at the same rate. Yeah, no, it like had a tail and looked like it had like straight up in a full atmosphere. Yeah, it's 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 really really weird. To say nothing of all the other weird, insane stuff that happens when they get on the asteroid, and it's like ah, it's raining rocks. Whatever that means. You know, they they wanted to use a nuke to blow this thing up. If it's iron, it's not going to work because it's too too staple. If it's a rocky type, it's not going to work because it wouldn't be that cohesive. Um, what we actually plan to do for that type of thing is a gravity um, sort of a trailer maneuver kind of thing. Um, so you get something heavy near it and can gravitationally attract it towards that thing. 
um, to just to get it off course, which is why we usually find them over 18 days. Uh, you know, we notice them more than 18 days out um, because that, that, that type of thing would take a long time. But that's like the most uh, normal plan that we've kind of got in place for this type of thing. And what would an actual asteroid look like um, if it was that large and headed toward Earth? Just like a weird star, yeah. <laughs> like like it's it's almost exactly this. I I just was running the math because I was curious. It's almost exactly if assuming size of Texas means that it like roughly has the same radius as half of Texas. This is very this is very back of the envelope math, but roughly size of Texas seems like it's about the size of something like Ceres, a dwarf planet that we found in 1801. So you don't need like super complicated technology to see stuff that big. Haley said something about the atmosphere, like it almost seems to have an atmosphere. I want to take a second and talk about the gravity situation. Oh there are a lot of gravity situations um, in this movie. When John and I were watching it, he was telling me how fast this asteroid would need to be spinning to create <laughs> gravity where they could walk around. Um, no, that was that was for the space station. That was for the space station. Okay. Yeah. Can you gravity explain me? I calculated how much gravity the asteroid would have, you which did. I didn't write down, but it was like um, – Real, 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 real low. Uh, <laughs> and that was giving it, um, you know, all the benefits of the doubt. Um, do you remember? Did you write down what I... So I, I did write down that there was about 20 feet of just this like bubble around the rock where they had gravity. And then after about 20 feet, they just flew into space at that point. Um, I don't see anything specific with numbers about what that gravity would have to be um, but um uh, would the asteroid need to be spinning for, to create this gravity or is it just a mass issue it's a mass issue so the this the spinning is um using centrifugal force to to do things just like when you're on the gravit gravitron or whatever ride at the state fair um and so this they serve the space station rotating to create artificial gravity you know because they can't afford to film in uh <laughs> like a weightless like airplane drop kind of lab thing so um uh but it would have to have been spinning so much faster than they showed uh, because the limbs just aren't long enough you know to to create it with any kind of um way that wouldn't make everyone instantly throw up um <laughs> on the space station and it would probably rip it apart to be honest uh just because it's it's so short the limbs are so short you have to really whip it around um, at almost like an unfathomable speed. Do you have what how fast it was written down? I'm really curious. It was going at maybe, oh, I would say it was like a couple of rotations a minute, it looked like maybe. But that's ah, me kind of guessing. That's, Even then, not uh, fast enough. Yeah. Not nearly fast enough. Yeah. Um, we need to be in like rotations per second to, to get, to approach something that's like normal Earth gravity with limbs that short. Mm -hmm. Um was nuts what about uh, the asteroid then, john oh, oh with the asteroid um yeah it was just way too small so i did some back of the napkin calculations and said even if it was entirely made of of pure iron um and it had the radius of texas but it was a perfect sphere how would its gravity compare to that of earth and it was like 
Oh, I don't remember. Um, Earth's was like ten to the twenty-sixth higher. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, it's like yeah. nothing, 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 nothing. Um, <laughs> I think. I think what I did was I tried to equate it to like a graph that people could understand. And so I said, if um, that gravity on the asteroid was my height, like a, as a bar graph, how big would the bar be for Earth's gravity in comparison? And it was like um, from Earth to the Moon. Uh, 23 times <laughs> so, and, that's, and that's your bar graph that, that would be the bar graph it's a graph that's nice you know five foot seven and then a graph that goes to the to the moon 23 times or something like that good um it was ridiculous uh so like there's no way that they would be able to walk around now that's enough gravity for it to be cohesive for things um to cohese uh together um, if it were a rocky type that was more of a rubble pile, just because gravity t- tends to want to bring things together. Like if you had two tennis balls in space a yard apart, um, they'd fall together in like three days. Uh, so the rocks could slowly pull themselves together and remain cohesive, even if the gravity was low enough that a person couldn't like walk around on it or anything. But you couldn't, you couldn't walk around if it were just rocks in the air pressed together. Could you walk around on it and nuke it? There, there's not nearly enough gravity to walk. Well, bummer. So if this does happen, we're kind of screwed because we can't walk around the asteroid to nuke it. We can't. We have to, we have to go with the tried and tested, safe, predictable method of using a gravity tractor. To- Any of the other infinitely more reliable methods of moving. <laughs> uh, it aren't. It's Michael Bay. It's Michael Bay. It's Michael Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer, so they had to blow stuff up, like, legally. And um, on Haley's note about the atmosphere, I I keep going back to what she said, but it encapsulates so many questions. Uh, The asteroid's very windy. Yeah, yeah, all the the rock storms that asteroids have. It was like it was a meteor shower almost, but like that, it didn't make sense that they were like, oh, yeah, the asteroid's like trying to get us off of it. You know, like the asteroid is fighting back or whatever they were saying. And I was just like, "Okay, that doesn't feel right, but okay." (laughs) The asteroid did have a certain beef with humanity as it whenever anything would actually hit Earth, it only hit major cities. Paris, yeah. New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in very cinematic locations, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. The Eiffel Tower. Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, with this long trail behind it, which John said would also not happen if something were to hit Earth. It would be more oh, like the yeah. meteor crater here in Flagstaff, right? Like the impact itself. It, it sh- tended to show this, like the scoring the surface kind of effect, which is like not the way those things happen. Um, they tend to penetrate the Earth really easily and then explode. Which would be more dope? You think Michael Bay would want more explosions? But I guess <laughs> yeah, they, they don't tend to leave that like um, crash landing spaceship sort of yeah. trail behind them. Um, and I think you know ones that come in at a at a steep angle or a shallow angle um, would tend to to burn up more readily um, because they're passing through more and more and more atmosphere than something coming direct on um, and then but even the the really shallow angle ones they still tend to pierce the earth and then explode and so you get like this perfect circle circular crater um, coming off of it and they like vaporize the dirt around them too usually right yeah which is which is gross to think about that's I bleh. <laughs> 
So if there was going to be an asteroid, um, I would like to know what type of asteroid is most likely to hit Earth and what would happen? I don't even know what the most likely thing to I mean we'd if it was if it was just like a big hunk of rock that was headed at us we would know a good long while in advance cuz like there are tons of people just watching that stuff all the time. Mhm. So like yeah. that feels pretty unreasonable and there's not all that many giant chunks of rock like flying around the solar system anymore. They tend to kind of no. stay in their spots. Yeah. Cuz it can be really bright. So yeah. what kind of rock types have hit the earth before cuz we've had a few well two extinction level events is that correct i mean there's been like there, there's like six major extinctions i oh. i only know that the dinosaur one they think was caused by a, a meteor impact john based on what we know of geology on the moon and earth and we also have a meteor crater here in flagstaff can you guess what type of asteroid would probably come this way if Man, if I had to guess, yeah. So, if I had to guess, what type would be the most dangerous? Is that is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah, what would cause an extinction level event like this? A big, a big hunk of iron, right? Oh, because so like with the movie, the, the big oh, kind, because we can't see it really well. We can't see it as well, so it might give us like a little bit less notice. Um, but I still think we just take care of it. If everyone forgot to take care of it. Like we lovingly take care of it and tell it like your if, next story. If we, if we forgot to to push it away or something, um, <laughs> forgot to push it away, we just you know, forgot. That, I think that would be that would be the most um, detrimental. Well, John, right? you know, we as a society have never um, put off dealing with large extinction scale events before, and aren't currently. So I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. That'd be Yikes. fine. I just hope J.J. Abrams and Michael Bay aren't writing. Uh, something that's too close to reality. <laughs> yeah. I'd prefer if J.J. Abrams didn't write anything personally, but... <laughs> no, I love him. I'm oh, very anti-J.J. Abrams. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm anti-Wesley. Is- <laughs> that's fair. I am a horrible goblin. Oh, J.J. Abrams is a sweet boy. So, basically, it's not too far off that if an asteroid were to threaten the Earth with some extinction-level event... It might not be seen as quickly as other items because it would probably be iron. It just wouldn't have an 18-day lead-up time. It wouldn't have faults, and it wouldn't be what was presented in this movie. Yeah, it would be much, much further out, we'd know. Okay, so we would still have lead-up time, just yeah, yeah, not we'll as us. much as if it were a Earth-type rock heading toward us. I don't no. Yeah, I mean, we'd probably we'd probably be like in in terms of lead up time, we'd be looking at time scales of like years to decades, probably. Like, I, I can't yes. I can't imagine anything would be headed towards us that we that we couldn't see outside of that. Well, there's literally a department at NASA for this reason, so I'm pretty sure we'd find it pretty quick because that's like what they do. Um, I forget what they're called. They have a fun Sometime. name. I don't remember yeah. what it is, but they have a very fun name. It's a fun name. And yeah, that's like their main goal is to make sure Earth doesn't get hit by some giant iron <sighs> asteroid that'll blow up the Earth or whatever. <laughs> so the plan, <laughs> the plan itself, um, could they hypothetically use the moon's gravity pull to swing around its orbit and land on an incoming asteroid. 
we can we, we can definitely do that. Yeah, we can. Yeah, you could definitely do gravitational gravity slingshots. We've been doing it since like the early days of space exploration. Well, yeah, like to yeah. the extent that they do in the movie. Yeah, probably. I don't think yeah. they'd be that close to it to the moon. Mm-hmm. It shows them like really yeah. getting low, but uh, you know. But you could yeah. do the gravitational pull. Um, I think my only like metaphor I used when I was talking to John about this earlier was in roller derby when he did the whip. Yeah, he whipped a girl around. Mm. It, it feels very similar to that. It is. So yeah, it, that's very similar. That's possible. I could. We land on an asteroid. That was my next question. I think we've determined no. Could not land on an asteroid flying through space. Is that correct? You could land on an iron one or a cohesive rocky one. And by land on, I mean bump into it and try and hold on. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> there wouldn't be land gravity, in this but, case you know, means crash, yeah. Yeah, mm. crash and then kind of like be near it would yeah. work. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what they tried to do. There was a lot of crashing involved. Could you fall yeah. into an asteroid? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. You so, could. It's made of stuff, you know, and <laughs> girls are made to go through stuff. We're doing almost three out of three. We're not doing too bad here. No, um, no, no. Say you did find this iron asteroid flying toward us. We sent out a shuttle. We slingshot around the moon. We fly towards said asteroid, and they use the gravity to make, like, a safe zone to land. Um, as this asteroid was sort of trapped in the moon's gravitational pull momentarily. Um, this sounds like a huge convenient thing. Is that still how gravity would work as the asteroid approached moon's gravitational pull? No. Oh. No, no, no. Um, you know, uh, it's like the feather and the hammer test, right? I'm not um, familiar. So, like, you go to the moon and you drop a hammer and a feather oh. and they fall at the same same time because there's no atmosphere to kind of keep the feather up. Um, so things fall at the same rate, basically. The Mythbusters did a really good one about that, where they they shoot a bullet out of a gun and drop a bullet, and if if your like range is long enough, then they'll both hit the ground at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. So yeah. the, the big, if it's if it's not enough to to drop the big chunk, it's not enough to drop the small chunks. It's the idea. So it wouldn't clear a path. Ah, well, bummer. Um, if it somehow you were able to slingshot around the moon and get through a path to land on an asteroid, could you blow up an asteroid uh, so that it is severed into two pieces and misses the Earth narrowly by 200 miles? I mean, you know me, I talk in, in extremes. So yeah, in theory, there's a perfect type of asteroid that could. <laughs> um, uh, that, but it wouldn't be an iron uh, composite. Um, and it wouldn't be a very common one, right? Because most of them are rubble piles. It would have to be some weird cohesive chunk that has been there since the dawn of time, uh, slowly accreting and uh, you know building itself up stronger and stronger to the point where it had enough gravitational pull to sort of like start um, smushing the rocks together with heat and pressure. Um, but man, I I, w- I wouldn't put my money on it. I feel like to break perfectly in two, it would have to start as like a contact binary or something. Like you'd have to have that one perfect yeah. spot to crack it in half. And like even then, they were so close to the Earth that 
there's no way it would have just been like, mm, bye, go directly around the Earth, you yeah, know? And they just they stick one nuke in it, and it just, like, poof, <laughs> separates in half, which, like, that sounds insane. <laughs> yeah, and just, yeah. like, right by Earth. Yeah. Um, have y'all seen Don't Look Up? No. I haven't watched it. I want to, but I haven't seen it yet. In Don't Look Up, um, I haven't finished the movie, but it was uh, in that movie, it was a long period comet that comes from the outer parts of the solar system. And apparently it was loosely modeled after an object named Comet Neowise. Yeah. Are you familiar with this comet? And is this a more likely scenario? Something super long period like that would make sense. I feel like we'd also see it. Like, yeah, we'd for sure see it if it was really a comet. Really quickly? Yeah, they uh, they said that, like, for example, Neowise they found in late March. And by early July, it was already making its approach to the sun. So six months from discovery to close approach is realistic for that class of object. Um, and they are quite large, I read, and they can move quite quickly just this it's a certain class of objects that they're looking out for um it's just the likelihood of something like that hitting the earth is apparently it's just very unlikely because space is big the other thing is comets are primarily ice so they would burn up much faster than something that's just a bunch of rock or specifically something that's a bunch of iron right comets are icy bodies um but i feel like it was big enough um and it did hit us point blank and it it had that long periodicity um it would it wouldn't be great Uh, (laughs) it'd be good but i also feel like we detect it farther out Mm -hmm. well is there anything we could do about it like even if we detected it six months to three years if something's headed towards us. And by some insane coincidence in this, how huge the universe is, it is targeting Paris, uh, the Eiffel Tower specifically. Mm-hmm. Specifically the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> we just do? push it. <laughs> we push it into the sun and we wouldn't care about it ever again. Yeah. You would just yeet it? Like what, what do you mean? You just get, you get an object up there, um, with enough mass and you just sort of park it next to it and it'll slowly pull the two things together with gravity and then you move your thing that has mass that you put up there and then it pulls a little more and you just do that enough times and then you've changed its angle if you do it early enough a a change by you know half a degree is still a very very large change um you know in its trajectory and it took us 20 years to get the james webb up i mean how how would we get something this large up into space in time to throw its gravity? Oh, off? well, the James effort. Webb, the James Webb took so long because we had to like perfect the mirror. In this case, it oh. doesn't have like a mirror that needs to be overly tested or anything like that. So it's definitely not going to take a 20 years worth of time. Like the James Webb did. Yeah. We just need like a big chunk of rock. And the other thing we can do is that it's really, really hard to get stuff off of the earth. It'd be pretty easy. Several asterisks next to that um, to like send something up that could go like borrow an asteroid and bring it by whatever thing was headed towards us and, and do the, the mass moving thing that John's talking about. Cause like moving stuff around that's out in space already and, and like is not gravitationally bound to the earth is relatively, just super easy 
how could we get something up that large though? Like how could we, we would physically- need to put something up there? We would we would get something that like has a bunch of like booster rockets and fuel and whatnot, um, and shoot that out into space and then have it like attached to just some rock that's convenient and then yeah. do that sort of thing. Well and an um a, if we're talking comets, those aren't as cohesive. So um or I mean they're more cohesive, sorry. Uh, and so you could do other techniques like giant mylar sail or um, things I like love that. Giant mylar it's the sail. piles that you you can't touch anything, you can't grab onto anything, so you have to use that gravitational tractor method. But you know, um, if it's cohesive enough, you could push it or use mylar sail to pull it or do whatever. Sorry, mylar sail? Could you? Yeah, just a big old sail. You give it a nice safety blanket and you tuck it in, and mm-hmm. then it leaves us alone. It's a little rude boy. No. <laughs> um, the idea is that you can use like solar winds to um, catch the sail and pull it out of the way a little bit. You like get it hot on one side, and then it it has. <clears throat> there's some there's some really ri- ridiculous name for it. Oh God, where where is it? I need to I need to I need to find this name because it's the funniest thing in the entire universe. What? There's a there's the a really for... there's a really silly name for. Um, Asteroids like uh, changing their trajectories because they get hot on one side. I, I I can't remember what it is, but it's really really funny sounding. So your plan, John, would be to send the asteroid that's heading for its death course toward Earth a buddy, and then take it sailing. Uh, well, so if it was a comet, we could probably take it sailing. Um, if it was an asteroid that that was a gravel pile, we'd have to just get a buddy and. Um, ship them. It's very, very, very peaceful solution. Quite literally, ship them. Ex- explosions uh, here with a with a literal ship. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was late. Um, yeah, yeah, we would definitely be able to see a comet super early though, because like like we were saying, comets are like dirty ice balls, and ice is like the <laughs> most reflective element out there, which is why we can like see Saturn's rings, even though it's like ridiculously far. So we and like comets that get close to Earth, we can like if they're big enough, we can see them with our eyes. I feel like it would be relatively easy to move a comet. Uh, our final little segment here is news stories. So we we read news stories from around the world relating to our current topic. And today I have two that are quite on the nose with what was going on with Armageddon. This one is from CBS News and it reads, NASA to launch Armageddon, in quotes, Armageddon-style mission to deliberately crash into an asteroid's moon and test planetary defense. NASA's upcoming mission might resemble a scene from a sci-fi disaster movie, which I feel like we're now familiar with. Uh, Sending spacecraft, uh, spacecraft above the Earth to crash into an asteroid's moonlet to change the moon's trajectory. And it's called the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or the DART, because we love our acronyms here. <laughs> um, it is the first test for planetary defense, and will happen on the day before Thanksgiving. Um, I 
didn't follow up to see if this actually happened. I think we were all too preoccupied with the James Webb, but uh, it was targeting Dimorphos, which is a moonlet of a near-Earth, a binary near-Earth asteroid called Didymus. I'm probably saying that wrong. But yes, the DART mission, the asteroid was roughly 780 meters across, so that's about 2,559 feet, which was more typical, uh, according to NASA, of the size of asteroids that would have any likely significant threat to Earth. So this is kind of interesting, um, sort of similar to what happened in Armageddon, but also very, very different. Yeah, this seems like a lot more reasonable of a method to, to actually do anything to a, an asteroid. They're just shooting it with a thing, yeah. like a projectile <laughs> thing, so they like just a really, off. really big bullet. Yeah. yeah. Really, what we're doing in this case is just crashing a meteor into the asteroid. Oh, yeah. okay. It's, but it's our meteor that we made. Fire with fire. <laughs> yeah. Asteroids with asteroids. <laughs> and the thing is, there's no one on this mission. You know, we don't have to like softly land. Like they, well, they did not softly land. They were supposed to. <laughs> yeah, it's um, not very yeah. soft. <laughs> but Nothing delicate we're about just, this movie. Yeah, we're just crashing something into it. I mean, that the, that screams Michael Bay. So, like, <laughs> it's very I'm Michael surprised Bay. It's they didn't just Bay. do this. This article does actually cite the movie. It says this mission is reminiscent of the 1988 sci-fi action movie Armageddon, in which the space agency deploys a team of civilians to land on an asteroid and detonate it before it destroys Earth, which is a very concise and very vague description of what happened in this movie. But um, (laughs) We've done impact surveys before, so we do have a history of smashing stuff into things. Um, but that method is to send two, uh, you know, probes or whatever, smash one directly into it, kick up a bunch of stuff, and then have the other one pass through the debris field to collect samples. Um, so, which is cool, but we have a history of smashing stuff into stuff. I like to smash stuff. Big smashing fans. Our next headline is from the South China Morning Post. Um, I just wanted to leave on a high note here. Mm. Um, An asteroid with more force than the biggest nuclear bomb to come close to Earth in 2029. It is called um, Epiphys. Probably, again, butchering that. Its path is projected to be the planet's closest encounter with such a large asteroid, and it could come close to the distance at which TV satellites orbit, but the chances of it striking a satellite are very tiny. It's Apophis. That's the Egyptian god of chaos. Yeah. Oh, I like this. Yeah, they named it so because it's so big and it's coming near us that we were like, oh my gosh, it's going to cause so much chaos. So, but yeah, no, we've we've known about Apophis for a while. Yeah, it looks like it was discovered in 2004 at Kitt Peak, which is pretty near here. And it is going to miss Earth, but it's just coming to do like a drive-by hello goodbye, right? Pretty much, yeah. But that goes to show, I mean, it's it's passing in 2029. We found it in 2004 so yeah. we've known about it for 15 years before it hits right or well before it passes us yeah it says it will come within 24,000 miles of the earth's surface it looks like the the wikipedia article about it tells me that it originally had a 2.7 percent chance that it would hit the earth on april 13th 2029 in 2006 I- and then that 
calculation got lower and lower and lower. I'm not fond of how close it is to Earth. (laughs) I don't like it. It's not fun. (laughs) Well, thank you, John Compton, for joining us and talking about geology and why it was so, so wrong in this wonderful little romp from the 90s, Armageddon. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a good time. Appreciate you. And if anyone has any questions about asteroids headed toward Earth, please find us on Twitter at StarStuffPod. We also have a Discord, and our email is info at lol.edu. This podcast was brought to you by Lowell Observatory members and subscribers like you. 